Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of Acts. Well, hello there, faithful listeners. I am so excited that you're here to share a cup of coffee with me or a cup of tea for you crazy tea drinkers as we discuss Acts chapter 23. And I haven't heard from you guys enough this week. So here's a question I want you all to answer. Do you know a second language? And if so, what is it? I know a tiny itty bitty little bit of Dutch. And I actually have a Dutch Bible called Het Boek, the Bible, the book. And I've been practicing reading it and I can pick out a few words. So here, here, wait, let me read a little bit of it for you. Mark, Marcus 6, verse 1. Darna vertrok Jesus met sein disciplin nar Nazareth de plots var he was up uphechroid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it definitely says after that trekked Jesus with his disciples to Nazareth, the place where he was uphechroid. <laughs> I don't know what uphechroid means, but yeah, so I can read a little bit of it. And uh, reading the Bible in Dutch has been a huge, huge help in my language skills. So if you guys are trying to learn a language, maybe consider reading the Bible in your target language. That might help you out as it's been helping me. But let's read the Bible in English today. I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 23, verses 12 through 22 out of the W.E.B. version. This is going to be talking about Paul and some more persecutions he is about to face being stuck in prison in Rome for basically the rest of his life. So let's go ahead and enjoy the reading of God's word together. When it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 people who had made this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and to the elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you with the council inform the commanding officer that he should bring him down to you tomorrow as though you are going to judge his case more exactly. We are ready to kill him before he comes near. But Paul's sister's son heard that they were lying in wait, and he came and entered into the barracks and told Paul. Paul summoned one of the centurions and said, bring this young man to the commanding officer, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commanding officer and said, Paul, the prisoner, summoned me and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to tell you. The commanding officer took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? He said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though intending to inquire somewhat more accurately concerning him. Therefore, don't yield to them for more than 40 men lie in wait for him and have bound themselves under a curse to neither eat nor drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready looking for the promise from you. So the commanding officer let the young man go, charging him, tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. One of the things I find so interesting, actually, about this portion of scripture is because the night before all of this took place, Jesus had actually visited Paul in prison. And meanwhile, on that same night, these Jews were actually conspiring against Paul on how they could put him to death. 
And the reason that we know that these Jews were conspiring against Paul the night before is because it says early in the morning, they banded together and bound themselves under a curse. So this means that several of these Jewish men were thinking about this the night before. They were thinking about how can we get rid of Paul? They didn't just come together over brunch and suddenly decide it there. They were actively plotting against Paul because they hated Paul with every fiber of their beings. And you might be like, well, why did why did they hate Paul? Well, they hated Paul first and foremost because Paul was a Christian and Christianity teaches salvation through Jesus alone, whereas the Jewish people believed that their works would get them to heaven. So they didn't like the idea that Jesus was their Messiah. They didn't want to hear about that. So that's the first reason that they hated Paul was because Paul was a Christian and preached and promoted the gospel and Christianity. And secondly, they didn't like Paul because not only was Paul a Christian, but he was going to the Gentiles to preach salvation to the Gentiles. And the Jewish people and the Gentiles hated each other. They, they couldn't get along. So when the Jewish people hear that Paul is speaking the gospel to the Gentiles, they are so angry that the Gentiles have the gift of salvation also. So there's several reasons why they dislike Paul, and it's all related to his belief in Jesus, because what does Jesus say? If they hated me first, they will hate you also. And Jesus also says, uh, it's not really you that they're persecuting. They're actually persecuting me. And because Paul believed in Jesus, that is why these Jewish men hated Paul. So they're thinking about how they can get rid of Paul the man who is preaching the gospel everywhere and affecting so many people. How can we get rid of this guy so he doesn't keep doing what he's doing and threatening us? So they're thinking about it throughout the night, the same night that Jesus is comforting Paul in prison. These Jewish people are out there conspiring against Paul. How can we kill this guy? They band together in the morning, it says in verse 12, and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 people who made this conspiracy. Now, who were these 40 men? Nobody really knows. Some people think that they were Jewish assassins. Other people think that maybe it was some of the priests and just the, the general Jewish people that disliked Paul. It could have been anybody, really. But there is 40 people who decided to do this together. They were like, you know what? Not only are we going to unlawfully kill Paul, but we are going to place ourselves under a vow that we're not going to eat or drink until we kill Paul. This kind of reminds me of the story I talked about a couple of weeks ago in the Old Testament, where King Saul actually placed a similar vow on his own people, that his people were not allowed to eat anything until they killed the Philistine army. And that was a very stupid vow. But this vow in Acts 23 takes the cake because not only is it a stupid vow, but it's also immoral and extremely evil because at least Saul in the Old Testament, though he placed his people under a stupid vow and it caused a lot of problems, at least he wasn't doing something really immoral against God because God had conquered the Philistine army that morning and given them to Saul to conquer. But here in Acts 23, these men are blatantly disobeying and going against God by doing something contrary to the Old Testament law that they supposedly followed by committing murder against somebody who was convicted of no crime and also against 
somebody who was one of God's chosen people. Paul was a chosen person by God. Like God came to Paul on the road to Damascus and chose him to be an evangelist to the Gentiles. So these men in Acts 23 are going so far against God by trying to kill Paul. And what makes this extra bad is they're pretending that they're holy while doing this because a vow typically was something that you did in order to get yourself closer to God. You would make a vow to God for a specific reason, and it was a way for you to have more communication and more fellowship and relationship with God. That was the point of taking a vow. And so these men are pretending to be holy by taking out this vow saying, oh, you know, we're going to place ourselves under a curse. We're not going to eat or drink until we kill Paul. They're pretending to be holy, yet while breaking one of the, the Ten Commandments, one of the most basic commandments in the Old Testament, one of the first commandments God gave his people in the wilderness before the Old Testament law was even written, thou shalt not commit murder. And there were 40 people who made this conspiracy. So they come to the chief priests and the elders to tell them about this plan of going and killing Paul and how and how they have taken out a holy vow against themselves. And, you know, they're, they're being so holy. They come to the chief priests and their elders and they're like, hey, will you guys help us kill Paul? And the chief priests and the elders are like rubbing their hands together like, yeah, yeah, we're going to help you kill Paul. What do you want us to do, man? So... <laughs> So here's what the assassins or these Jewish men say to the elders. Now, therefore, you with the council inform the commanding officer that you should bring Paul down to you tomorrow as though you were going to judge his case more exactly. And we will be ready to kill him before he comes near. And here's the sad thing about this. The chief priests and the elders were all like, great, let's do it. Because at this point in time, the chief priests and the elders were extremely corrupt They were very corrupt. They did not regard God's laws as holy. They did not follow God's laws. They did not respect God. They did not respect the Old Testament law. Really, the only people that they respected was themselves. And then they forced other people to respect them as well. So when they hear about this conspiracy, they're they're plotting right along with these 40 plus men to kill somebody who is innocent. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We will help you with that. We will do it because we don't like Paul either. But it says here that Paul's sister's son, so Paul's nephew, ends up somehow hearing about this. So this is the first time we hear that Paul has a sister. And apparently she lived in Jerusalem or at least was in town for this particular holiday. Pentecost may still have been going on at this point in time. So she was at least in town, and her family was with her, obviously. And so her son somehow ends up finding out, and he was a young man. So either he heard some gossip somewhere, or maybe he had a job in Jerusalem and heard about it there. Who knows how Paul's nephew found out about this? We do not know. But this was no accident. Paul's nephew was going to find out about this in one way or another because Jesus promised Paul that he was going to go to Rome. So Paul's nephew was going to find out about this, and he did. So he finds out about it, and he immediately runs to tell Paul. And so it says, he goes into the barracks and he tells Paul about it. So Paul summoned one of the centurions and said, bring this young man to the commanding officer, for he has something to tell him. 
So the centurion took him and brought him to the commanding officer, verse 18, and said, Paul, the prisoner summoned me and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to tell you. Now you might ask, why would this centurion, this Roman centurion, listen to Paul, the prisoner? Because that's actually what he calls Paul. He says, Paul, the prisoner brought this young man to you. (laughs) Why would the centurion listen to Paul? I think for a handful of reasons. First and foremost, Paul is a Roman citizen. Don't forget. Commanding officer had actually made a huge mistake when they first met Paul. An illegal mistake because they bound Paul, not realizing that he was a Roman citizen. They bound him in chains and almost flogged him in order to get information out of him. It wasn't even legal for Paul to be bound in chains. And yet Paul was bound in chains as a Roman citizen. So that's the first reason why I think this centurion listened to Paul is because Paul is a Roman citizen and they had already made a big mistake by putting Paul in chains to begin with. So it could have been that they were nervous about what Paul might do based upon his Roman citizenship. If he complained about them, they might all lose their jobs for breaking the law. So it could have been that. It could have also been that... They got to know Paul over the past couple days and realized that he was an innocent man because at first they actually thought that he was like a, a, a rioter or a coup starter or a criminal or a terrorist of some sort. And then later they find out that the only reason the Jewish people hated Paul was because of religious differences. So it could be that they, they just realized that Paul was an innocent man an innocent Roman individual that was being targeted by his own hometown. So it could have been that as well. It could have also been that they liked Paul because maybe he had just a good demeanor. Maybe he was joyful and unique under terrible circumstances. And they just respected Paul in a way. So so there could have been a few things going on as to why this Roman centurion who typically wouldn't have regarded Jews as anything at all, ended up listening to Paul and taking Paul's nephew to the commanding officer. So the commanding officer actually actually treats the young boy with a lot of respect and kindness. It says the commanding officer in verse 19 took the young boy by the hand and going inside asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? So the commanding officer He's very gentle to this young boy. We don't know how old he was. It actually says he was a young man. So he was probably a teenager, I would guess. Possibly even younger because manhood began at like age 12 back in these days. So he could have been even younger than a teenager. So he shows this young boy a lot of kindness and encourages him. Because I'm sure it would have been very scary for a young boy or a young man to go and talk to a powerful Roman official. So I think that's partially why this commanding officer was kind to the young boy. And it could also be that whatever this young boy had to tell him was very crucial for him to understand how to to move forward with Paul's case as well. Because we also know that the commanding officer was just trying to figure out who Paul was through all of this. So he wanted to give this boy as much encouragement as he could. So the young boy tells the commanding officer the entire story. Verse 20, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though intending to inquire somewhat more accurately concerning him. 
Therefore, don't yield to them for more than 40 men lie in wait for him who have bound themselves under a curse to neither eat nor drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready looking for the promise from you. This also shows how dedicated these guys were by binding themselves under the curse. So this also would show the commanding officer like, wow, these guys are serious. They hate this Paul character so much that they're willing to put themselves under a curse in order to kill him. So I think that also probably spurred the commanding officer into listening to this young boy. Like, wow, these people really hate Paul. So the commanding officer tells the young man to be quiet. Don't tell anyone that you have revealed these things to me. And so he lets the young boy go. But the reason this is so important is because Jesus had visited Paul and told Paul that he would be protected even while in prison. And God really does protect us. We had a really nasty storm two nights ago and there were fallen trees everywhere. And one thing that I noticed was that all the trees fell away from my home. And I was looking at him and I was just like, wow, you know, God is so good because he protected my home during the middle of that storm. And, you know, I was a little bit afraid when I woke up in, in the night and, you know, it was such a bad storm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I really hope none of the trees fall in our general direction. And none of them did. You know, God is so good. He protects us all the time. And he does. And I'm sure that there are ways that God protects us without us even ever knowing that he's protecting us. He's doing it constantly, I'm sure. His hand is always with us. That is why it says in scripture that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always protecting us in ways that we have no clue about. But it's always really, really cool to see evidence of God protecting us because he does. And he showed Paul that he had Paul in his hands and that he was truly going to protect Paul, even though I'm sure Paul was feeling very scared in prison. There is confirmation right here that Jesus was going to protect Paul. And you know what? Jesus is protecting you too. If you feel like you're not very close to Jesus right now, I highly recommend just praying to him and asking for confirmation because sometimes we need confirmation. Asking for confirmation that his hand is with you. I know that there's been times where I've had to do that in the past. And sometimes it takes a few days for God to answer me. But he always gives me confirmation that he's protecting me when I ask for it. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Faithful listeners, by the way, happy leap day. <laughs> it's that special time that only comes every four years. And happy birthday to those of you who are born on leap day. If it's your birthday, contact me. I'd like to know some of my leap year friends and also tell me how old you are as well. All right, faithful listeners, if this uh, episode meant something to you, go over to Coffee if you would like to support the ministry because this ministry is only made possible due to your generous donations. I will see you guys all on the next episode. Happy listening and God bless.